Hello, my dear listener, and welcome back to the fourth episode of Breaking the Facts with me, Mahima. Today's episode is straight up a personal one. It is something one out of every five individuals suffer from in the world. It is something which cannot be detected straight away. It is something that can slowly plunge and kill you from inside. Let's openly talk about mental health. Now, my dear listener, before we begin this episode, I would like to address the topic of why is mental health such a taboo and misunderstood subject till the date? Why is it that we feel easier to joke about mental health rather than some other form of illness, be it cancer or be it even sometimes common cold? And the journey to the development of mental health hasn't been a smooth one. We together will go on this journey to decipher and answer some of the most basic assumptions and misconceptions regarding mental health in today's episode. Now, mental health isn't a topic which is discussed in schools and colleges, right? We don't have periods dedicated to understanding what mental health is as compared to mathematics, physics, economics, etc., whatever we are studying. So I wanted to know how the most debated topic of all times is the one which is preached openly about on social media. And literally everyone goes around tweeting about it on Twitter or posting about it on Instagram or Facebook without actually knowing what mental health is and what it symbolizes, which is dumb. (laughs) So to understand what mental illness is, we will have to take a journey into deciphering the history of mental health. And believe me when I say it is a terrible one and you're not gonna like it. So if you want to go back, no, 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 don't, 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 just stay with me. (laughs) References to mental illness can be found throughout the history. Whether a particular behavior was normal or not, it was directly dependent on the society stating that it is normal or abnormal. So in a way, we can say that society was a determining factor to classify someone as mentally ill or not. And throughout the history, there have been three theories which have come up to explain what mental illness is. The first one is the supernatural theory, which attributed mental illness to possession by evil spirits or demons. So let's just say if you live in an era where if you were hearing voices, you would have been executed or burnt alive, which is kind of a bummer. So we're going to take a different scenario and we'll say that, okay, fine, you're suffering from regular episodes of hearing voices and somehow your family comes to know. And this time they decide trifonate your skull. Now, what is trifonation? Trifonation is an example of the earliest supernatural explanation for mental illness. Examination of prehistoric skulls and cave arts from as early as 6500 before Christ era has identified the surgical drilling of holes inside of your skulls to treat head injuries as well as epilepsy. So that the spirit inside of you, which your parents say is making noises, can exit from the hole which is drilled into your skull. (laughs) Kind of uh, ouch. Uh, Anyways, uh, the next theory was the somatogenic theory 
which came, you know, after this so-called witches and ghouls burnt alive theory. And it stated that mental illness arises from either genetic inheritance or hormonal imbalances and sometimes brain damages. And it is a believable theory, right? Many contemporaries from early Greece, including Hippocrates, played a pivotal role in separating superstitions and religions from medicine by believing that mental illness is caused due to something which is called imbalance in body fluids. It was then Galen who took this belief into the next level, stating that certain psychological factors, apart from these, you know, biological factors, contributed to mental illness, which gave rise to the third and the final theory, which is the psychogenic theory. And this theory, my dear listener, focuses on your traumatic or your stressful experiences, which leads to distorted perceptions or trouble in behaving normally. So I can say that if you are an individual who is believed to be possessed by evil, no, you're not, don't think, but let's just say you're possessed by evil. You will be viewed and treated differently in society as compared to an individual who has been diagnosed mentally ill because of hormonal imbalances, right? And this paramount effect that society has on individuals is something that we cannot calculate or decipher because every individual fears non-acceptance so we try to fit into a world which is already ruled by despising our true self or our true identity so my dear listener how can we be true to ourselves philosophers and psychologists always wanted to find out what makes us us and is it the adjustments that we let our true self play plunge into mental illness Or is it just as we discussed in the earlier episodes, our unconscious thoughts that is trying to make sense, these scary, illogical thoughts that make us think that we are mentally ill? So what is it? Jumping back onto the battle and acceptance of mental health by society, I would like to mention a female journalist who, in 1887, led to reform in mental health. I am talking about Elizabeth Cochran, who assumed the alias Needy Bly and she faked a mental illness in order to report the truly awful conditions inside psychiatric hospitals in America. And what she found out was pretty horrific and you might would... I don't want to listen it, but okay, here it is. She found out that people who had been diagnosed mentally ill were given rotten food with cockroaches. They were tied to bed and they were abused by insane, cruel nurses in order to make them, and she quotes, fit nervously. This she called were the asylums in her famous expose, 10 Days in a Madhouse. And this had been a standard procedure for treatment of mental illness, can you believe it, for centuries. And it was now questioned back. And it has been really a long, long battle, guys. Nearly a century later, late in 1975, an American psychologist, David Rosenhan, published a paper called On Being Sane in Insane Places, detailing the experiment he conducted on psychiatric institutions themselves. 
he was like i'm gonna bust you <laughs> so this is a very uh, horrific paper and if you want to read it you should definitely read this paper so i'll just summarize this paper for you there were two parts of his paper the first part of his experiment involved sending pseudo patients a group of eight totally sound individuals including david himself to fake mental illness saying that they have been hearing voices now after they were admitted inside the hospital they started behaving normally and they abandoned all their fake symptoms of hearing noises and stuff and they just waited you know uh, for their discharge now like cochran david and his team learned that it was much easier to get inside a medical institution but much much harder to get out and once rosenhen and his team were stated and i quote being in paranoid schizophrenia in remission by the hospitals they were discharged now stating someone as being in remission isn't stating someone as mentally fit which therefore had serious implications of them being in society be it their jobs or be it their personal lives then rosenham goes ahead and criticizes that society views mental illness as an irreversible condition almost like a personality disorder rather than something which can be cured which my dear listener still prevails to the date and the second part of his experiment stated that he informed the hospitals he will be sending some pseudo patients as a part of experiment and now he was like okay i have busted you guys already so i am going to bust you again but this time i'm informing you that i'm sending some people inside and the hospital ran so many diagnostic tests and out of 100 patients they classified 44 as imposters or pseudo patients but here's the fun part rosenhen then revealed that he had not sent any pseudo patients inside <laughs> and therefore concluded that the way people were being diagnosed and treated with psychiatric issues revealed less about the patient themselves and highlighted solely on their one particular behavior he gave the example if you go to the hospital and state that for one day you have a nightmare and you are behaving abnormally the doctor will focus on that abnormal behavior rather than your years of normal behavior which is bad and as always society criticized him he was criticized a lot but his experiments raised the question of how should we define how should we diagnose and how should we classify mental disorders in 2010 the world health organization reported that about 450 million people worldwide suffer from some or the other mental or behavioral disorder and no society is immune from them but when i say psychological disorders i am guessing that you guys might conjure up your favorite characters like you know from your novels or from dc uh, be it batman be it joker who are like socio and psychopaths but this is just a one sided view my dear listener or maybe a misconception that a society faces when we have to talk about mental illness we conjure up stuff we conjure up stuff which leads to misconceptions and often destructive stigma now the battle to the acceptance of mental health when was fought for centuries viewed psychological disorders having something which are called as biophysiological causes that can be diagnosed on the basis of symptoms treated and sometimes can be cured
And as per the date, whether you're mentally ill or not depends on three factors, which many psychologists and clinicians agree to. The first is the biological factor that how evolution took place, how are your individual genes, how is your brain structure and how is the chemistry inside of your brain structure. The second uh, is the socio-cultural influences, which is societal roles. Society has expectations from you and in which culture are you residing in? The third is psychological influences like your personal life stress, your trauma, your memories, your perceptions, etc. So by taking a holistic approach of nature and nurture influences rather than nature versus nurture approach, which we will be talking about, we can broaden our perspectives regarding mental health and how we perceive it. Which means that some disorders can be cured, some can be coped up, while others may not be disorders at all once a society and once a culture accepts them. And how do we standardize and classify mental illness was a classical problem presented in front of clinicians and they literally came up with a whole manual to describe what mental illnesses are. This manual is referred as the DSM. The first edition came out in 1952 and the newest edition now is DSM-5 came out in 2013. The best part about this manual is that it is still evolving and will be evolving forever since mental disorders and mental health is something which is ever evolving with respect to society and time. So I can say that it is something work in progress, right? For example, here's a fact for you. The first two editions of DSM classified homosexuality as pathology. So if you were homosexual, uh, it was a disease. <laughs> and after 1973, the third edition eliminated that design, reflecting the changing attitudes of sexual orientation within the people. And yes, with the passage of time today, totally new diagnoses and illnesses are being explored like gambling addiction or something which is called internet gaming disorders. <laughs> but DSM is not perfect, my dear listener. Even though we have come a long way from Rosenheim experiments, Critics argue that it may be over-diagnosing patients sometimes. But whatever it may be, it gives us one thing for sure. Mental health is not constant. It is something which is constantly evolving and cannot be determined straight away. And if it cannot be determined straight away, who are we to comment openly about it and shit about it on social media, right? I mean, that thing sucks. People get depressed on social media just by relating their sad selves to a post and then go ahead and classify themselves as depressed, which is A, dumb and B, wrong. Oh. So how, my dear listeners, should we control these emotions? How does the brain handle these emotions? Why is it that we feel stressed? It is a very, very emotional topic. <laughs> it is all about emotions, which we will be discussing in the next episode. Wrapping up on this episode, my dear listener, we learned how the battle into the mental illness field wasn't a smooth one. We also learned that it is always better to learn first and then comment because it can have serious consequences for a lot of people. Since everyone is going through something, be it big or be it small, 
it doesn't hurt to be kind in this world in which we are trying to make sense of constantly everything <laughs> and believe me when i say you're not alone in this journey and if you like this episode make sure to share this episode with your friends and follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on wherever you are whatever you are doing right now i just hope that tomorrow becomes a better day for you and i'll see you in the next episode till then stay warm stay safe be kind to yourself as well as the others